welcome to Christian Faith Center Slavic Campus Podcast. Our prayer is that you are blessed and encouraged by this message. For more information, you can visit experiencecfc.com. God bless. God is so good, so good to be with you this afternoon. My name is Pastor Paul, and if we have not met, would love to meet you directly following service. You know what else I would love to do? I'd love to go to Slavik's grandparents' house. Man, I heard they give out big box Benjamin Franklin's over there. So, man, you got a cool grandfather. Um, guys, we're in a message series together as a church called Heaven Come. In the last few weeks, we've been talking about this concept of us as believers in prayer, we could access God's will from heaven and pull it down to earth. We can pray through things and make it happen here on earth. And I think it's an important thing to realize even Jesus himself taught us as when we pray to pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're going to continue in the same spirit, uh, talking about heaven coming to earth. And today, if you're taking notes, I've titled today's message, The Hundredth sheep the hundredth sheep and um, we find in Luke chapter 15 Jesus telling us a story that maybe you've heard in Sunday school or maybe you've heard somewhere maybe in a song uh, talking about a, a good shepherd and a flock of sheep and um, today I want to read this story if you have not heard it I would love to share it with you in Luke chapter 15 verses 4 through 7 I'm going to read from the NLT you can open up your Bibles and also follow along uh, I'm going to go ahead and start reading from verse 4. It says this, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let us pray. Father, we come before you right now. We're so thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful for your spirit, God, that's here with us right now. And you've moved just so mightily, even in worship, God. I pray, speak to our hearts right now through your word. Make it life in us. Guide us and direct us. I pray this in Jesus' name. You know, we hear this story and we heard this story and we read this account that Jesus talks to us about, and we know it in theory, but I think to fully understand the point of this parable or this story of the good shepherd, we need to understand what Jesus was trying to do in this story in the first place. And as you read the first three verses that I deliberately skipped over until now, um, Jesus is actually responding to a group of people and he's giving them an answer by telling us this story. So when we look at the first three verses, let's, let's read those as well. We find something uh, interesting, intriguing, a circumstance that Jesus was faced with. Verse 1 says this, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. 
This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. So we see the story about the 99 sheep that were the, the shepherd leaves to go find the one was in response to a group of people that were complaining and not understanding what Jesus was doing. They were complaining about the type of people he was hanging with. You see, because they were religious, law-abiding citizens. They were teachers of the law. And we see him looking at uh, the Messiah or the rabbi, teacher of Jesus, that aspect of him. And they're looking at him and saying, okay, if this guy is a man of God, why is he hanging out with these lost people? And Jesus could have answered just giving them a direct answer. But, you know, that wouldn't suffice their complaining and their grumbling that they had. So he goes ahead and tells them a story in hopes of them understanding the parable that he gives so in order for us to understand what he meant we need to see the context that he speaks this parable into and in this story in this scenario we find three types of people that are mentioned and that's the thing I want to look at today the three types of people that are mentioned and the first is you have your Luke 15 1 people your Luke 15 1 people who were they well Luke 15 1 says this Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I just love the Bible about this. And it just says tax collectors, and we know two are tax collectors. Well, they're the IRS. They're the IRS of that time. Nobody likes to pay their taxes. Well, I hope, maybe we bless the government, we bless the IRS, but, but we don't like when they charge us what it seems to us to be a little too much, right? And then the Bible says notorious sinners. I just love that. Look, it's that, what is a notorious sinner? Well, the word notorious means famous sinners, popular sinners. These weren't just your average sinners. I mean, these are the guys that went to school to know how to sin. I mean, these are the guys that sin and then post on Instagram and Facebook about it. These are the type of guys that post before they do it. And people know that, hey, these guys are notorious sinners. And so these weren't just your average sinners. These were people that were good at what they did and they embraced what they did. That was their lifestyle. That's, it wasn't just they weren't sinning on their own time in their garage or at home and then coming and, and acting like everything's good. No, they were totally notorious about their sinful lifestyle. And we see these two categories of people coming to Jesus and the religious folk, they were getting offended. They were grumbling. And as I was looking through this scenario, I did a little more digging on tax collectors of that time. And I found four things uh, about tax collectors um, that made them hated by all people, by all the Judaizers. All the Jewish folk hated the tax collectors. And the first reason why they hated him is because obviously no one likes to pay money to the government. Especially the oppressive regime of the Roman Empire in the first century. So there was the Roman Empire that came in and took an upper hand on, on Jerusalem, on Israel. And so they were sort of submitted to them. And then they started charging them a tax. So anyone that came representing the Roman Empire, they did not like. They were always in enmity against them. They were fighting against them. The second reason is the individuals that were tax collectors, another word actually used for them is publicans, and um, they were actually individuals that were looked at as turncoats or traitors to their own countrymen. 
people that betrayed the Jewish people. They were Jews that got on the Roman side. And so, uh, and so they were hated for this as well. The third was tax collectors cheated the people they collected from. They took more than they needed. So there was an all, allotted amount that they needed to charge the citizens. Well, they had, they, what they did, they would charge more, right? They would charge over the top, give to the Romans what they owe to the Romans, and keep the rest for themselves. They're like, hey, if we're going to be hated by collecting money, might as well make a buck out of it. I mean, might as well take some for ourselves. And the fourth thing, what that caused to happen is these tax collectors, they were ostracized from the regular society. They were pushed away because everyone knew who they were. And they lived a lavish lifestyle because they cheated and stole from people. So they actually formed their own cliques that they hung out with. It was their own little society that they had. Further separating themselves from the rest of the society. So imagine, let's just, just for a moment go down, this, go down this avenue. Imagine these tax collectors. They're not only just hated because they're taking your money. They're hated because they're taking your money, making a buck out of it. They're, they're living a lavish lifestyle. They have their own little cliques that they're a part of. By the way, you guys remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, when, when he got saved, what did he say? Those who I uh, offended and hurt, I will give even more so in return what I took from them. So we see Zacchaeus was a part of the scheme as well. He, he took more than he, he needed for himself, right? And so imagine this group of tax collectors find out, their little clique finds out, hey, the rabbi on 5th Street is actually teaching. He doesn't mind if we're hanging out. And there's a, they go over there to the 5th Street Synagogue, and they're sitting around, and Jesus is teaching. And, um, and these other religious people come up and say, oh, oh kashmar. Jesus, do you see what's going on? These guys are, these guys are, are wretched people. They have their own, they're, they're cheaters, they're liars, and you're just allowing them to sit on the front row and listen to what you're teaching? And I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't push them away. These are the people that, imagine that there's, there's people looking at them thinking, okay, this guy just took, robbed me of my last income, took all my savings, and now he's sitting in front of me blocking the view from me seeing Jesus. He's sitting on the front row acting like everything's good. Jesus, why don't you do something about it? So I can sort of understand why the Pharisees, they're complaining, right? You can't blame the guys. I mean, they're complaining because these guys are acting like everything's okay. And you know what's interesting is that as much as they had, they lived a lavish lifestyle, had more money than they needed, all these things, had a little click. They were still broken people, disconnected from the love and the life of God. Amen? They were broken people in need of a Savior. Yes, they might have had the big house with the nice shop in the back in the garage and everything else, but they were empty on the inside. That's the reason why they came, to sit and to listen to Jesus teach. And Jesus, seeing this, looks past their past, past everything they're a part of, and is interested in saving their soul. You know, so many of us in this room were like these Pharisees or were like these tax collectors and notorious sinners. Amen? If you're not, you're a liar. Because many of us, we, we were messed up people, B.C., before Christ. We were some messed up folks that needed the Lord and he saved us from our junk. He saved us from our mistakes. He saved us from all our messed up things that we are a part of. And I want to share a few stories 
of some people that were in a, have have been saved in, even in the past just couple years here at our church. And and um, first guy I want to mention is is a guy named Ryan. There's going to be a picture here on the screens. A guy named Ryan. They're finding the picture. There you go. So Ryan, currently, he's part of the NLP program, which is the New Life program at the Boise Rescue Mission. They attend, actually, our Boise location. So they go to church there. And Ryan, he was, he was a guy that was in and out of prison, and he hated God. He hated God so much that he said, I'm never going to live for God. I'm going to live for the devil. And he stamped, he tattooed the words Max Hell across his forehead. And Mr. Max Hell was running from God, against God. He was going against the presence of God and everything. But I'm so glad there was a good shepherd that went to find the hundredth sheep. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm so glad there was a good shepherd that went out of his way, looked past the, the face tattoo, and saw the soul that was broken in the need of Jesus. You see, that's the kind of God we serve. He looks past the exterior, past those things. Max, Mr. Max Hell was a notorious sinner. Mr. Max Hell, a pro, uh, Ryan, he embraced his lifestyle. He was proud of it. He put it on his face. You know, but earlier this year, he got saved. He got baptized in the church. And also, he's, we're working on a, on a plan to get his face tattoo removed as well. His own choice, not our choice. But we'll help you out too if you have one. I'm just so happy that a lost sheep was found by the shepherd. I think of a guy named Ed Chavez. Ed Chavez was somebody that I met a couple years ago that uh, also in a Boise location that was background, prison in and out as well, dysfunctional upbringing, drugs, abuse of all sorts. And I remember meeting him at church. He got saved and he got baptized. And here's a picture of him getting baptized. Uh, it was last year, oh, two years ago I think now. And uh, Mr. Ed Chavez, as messed up as he was, I remember him coming desperately needing God. And we're standing in the foyer of Boise location. And we're standing in the foyer. And there was a few guys that surrounded him. We started praying for him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit there in the foyer. He not only got saved and water baptized, but filled with the Spirit. Mr. Ed Chavez, sometime later, actually after this picture was taken, probably eight months later, he actually passed away from heart failure. But I still remember Ed Chavez never, never, never ever giving to the church, never even giving a care from it, heard about tithing for the first time. I remember he came to the church and said, Pastor, here's my tithe. Where do I put it? He got his little envelope and licked it. He put, he's like, he's like, I got a check, my first check, working a, an honest job, not selling drugs. I got a $68 check from the gas station. He was working at the gas station. He's like, and I put $6.80 in this little thing, and he tithed from his check. You know, it broke my heart seeing that. It broke my heart. He said, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I'm going to trust God. And God was faithful to him. God came through. Little did we know that Ed Chavez would pass away to go be with the Lord. And it just, it just, it, it stops me in my tracks to think about how many more Ed Chavez's there are. People that are on their way to hell, people that have a, a time limit on this earth, people that will soon pass away and that do, do not know Christ. They're that hundredth sheep. They're that hundredth sheep. And from the exterior, they have max hell on their forehead. From the exterior, the devil has done everything to mess with them, to pervert them and to mess, us, mess them up. But the good shepherd has a heart for the Ed Chavez's. For the Ryans. 
I have one more example I, I heard here just, just a few weeks ago. There was a homeless guy that was found in the Boise parking lot. If you guys remember, there are sheds out there for sale. We always got tired of those sheds blocking their parking lot. But anyway, there was a homeless guy found sleeping in one of the sheds. And so there's a couple guys from the church <laughs> that brought him on a Sunday morning to church. They woke him up and they brought him into church. And he's the guy in the sleeveless black um, shirt right there. And so there he is in church worshiping God. And so... Pastor Nathan account uh, testifies to this account. He said he, he walked into that little kitchen that we had in there. And he saw three of the men from the church. They were kneeled. One of them was kneeled over, Pastor Sam. And they were washing this guy's feet in the kitchen during service. They were washing this homeless guy's feet there in the kitchen. And this man actually ended up receiving Christ into his life. And now attends the Boise location. Come on, give God a, just a hand clap. You see, Jesus is about that hundredth sheep. He's the good shepherd. He's about getting that 100th that sheep. And if we're going to reach people, we must be comfortable with people living in uncomfortable situations. We must be okay with people that don't look like us, that don't smell like us, that, that be smoke more than a, than a train. You know, they, 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 it's just we must be comfortable Loving people to life. There are others in this room right now, as I'm talking, you're remembering your own story of when you were broken, you were messed up, and somebody loved on you, received you, looked past your past, looked past your mistakes, looked past your hiccups, and loved you to life. Amen? I mean, there have been many times where I'm talking to somebody, and they're just like, Pastor, they're, they are new believers, they're like, Pastor, that was blankety blank blank amazing. God is so blankety blank cool. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> yes, but we got to work on your language. <laughs> Lord Jesus, sanctify his tongue in Jesus' name, right? So those are our Luke 15, 1 people. Those are the Luke 15, 1 people. And wherever there is Luke 15, 1 people, you'll discover there are Luke 15, 2 people. And Luke 15, 2 people, who are they? Well, Luke 15, 2, this is what it says. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain. That he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. He even had a bite with them. How bad. The Luke 15, two people are the religious, quote-unquote, spiritual people of that day. They were the people that, that had all their ducks in a row. Matter of fact, their whole persona was built upon them separating from other people. You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day, it, they looked at it as spirituality, not even to associate with anyone that was not spiritual, was not clean. You had to like fast and, 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 and pray and wear sackcloth for a week to even probably see one of those. And so they, they kept them at a far distance. And along comes Jesus that all of a sudden is inviting the cliques of the tax collectors and notorious sinners to sit there with him and to learn from him. It totally blew their mind. You know, Jesus talks about the Luke 15, two people as well. We find in Matthew 7, 15, this is what he says about Luke 15, two people. He says, be aware of false prophets. Who come disguised as harmless sheep. Who come disguised as harmless sheep. But are really vicious wolves. Whew. You can identify them 
By what? By their fruit. That is, by the way they act. By the way they act. You know, us in Idaho here, we, we know a thing or two about sheep. We know a thing or two about wolves. Some of us, we got, we got sheep at our house. Hopefully we don't got any wolves. But we got some sheep, right? I remember this guy named Brian Wilbur. He, he lives in Nampa. He was offering my wife and I a she, uh, some sheep because he breeds sheep. So he knows all the birds and bees about sheep. He knows how to mate them, how to breed them. He has some nice lineage of sheep apparently. And he was like, hey, pastor, I could hook you up with the sheep. I don't think that would go well right now, Sasha. We live in a subdivision. I don't think our HOA would like that uh, we have a sheep in the backyard. But he knew everything about sheep, you know. But where there is sheep, there's wolves, Right? Because wolves, they love sheep. But it's not for the benefit of the sheep. It's for the benefit of the wolf. And sheep, they don't react well to wolves. Sheep will actually start crowding together when there are wolves around. And it's interesting that the presence of wolves will cause sheep to start acting very sporadic. Start, start, start bleeding. You know, the word bleeding means they start bang. So the shepherds away, they start bang, bang, bang. That's a pretty good bat, right? I practiced that. When there's wolves around, they start bleeding and they start calling for the shepherd because they, they, they get into stress. I mean, statistics even say when there's sheep, when there's wolves around, sheep don't even reproduce. Because they're so stressed out, they can't even reproduce. They can't even multiply. They, it keeps them away from their daily grind of eating grass and acting like a sheep. They go a little crazy. They start, they start hyperventilating. I mean, it, it thinks that, you know, it could be their life at stake. And what is the fruit of a wolf? What do they come to do? Well, they actually come to distract us from the mission. Just like they're distracting the sheep from being a good sheep and from following the shepherd and from sticking together and doing their thing. And just as sheep won't reproduce when there are wolves around... Churches won't grow if there's wolves in the house. Churches won't grow if there's wolves in the house. What I've noticed is this. Now, it's not our church. Our church is amazing. We're growing in the name of Jesus. We're growing more than one way. Look at all the strollers in the house. Go to the nursery and see how much babies are over there. We're growing in Jesus' name. But what, what I've noticed is when there's wolves in the house, what happens in a church is people in a church, they start acting like very like, Не дай Бог, я руку подниму. Right? Man, I got to be careful to act, to, to act okay because somebody's going to chew me out right now. I got to be careful how, what I say because I'm going to get somebody to, to, to really give me. You know what those are? Those are wolves. They're out there with their teeth and they're showing their teeth. And, and sheep are just trying to be sheep. They're just trying to, bah, bah, you know, follow the shepherd. They're so excited. I mean, they were Luke 15, one people. I mean, they were delivered. They're just rejoicing in the Lord. They want to be sheep. You know, they have a, just an interesting background. And they're worshiping God on Luke 15, two people, right? It, they're, they're like those, those wolves are around. And they're just like, oh, we're going to get them. They don't like it. They don't like it, and, they, and they're out there to get them. And when, the, when that happens in a church, there's a weird atmosphere. There's no freedom is what happens. There's a lack of freedom, a lack of liberty. And, and so it's like, man, you got to do everything a certain way. Because if you don't do something a certain way, things are going to go bad quick. Somebody's going to get in trouble, and everybody's under this fear, under this thing. Now, now it's, it's not our church, not any other church in this valley in Jesus' name. But places that I've heard of far away from here. 
So these wolves, what they start doing is they distract people from the mission that Jesus placed on the church. They distract people. Why? It's because God is trying to send that hundredth sheep into the fold. He's trying to bring them in. But if there's a wolf at the door, he's going to say, you can't come in wearing a hat. You can't come in with a face tattoo. How dare you come into the house of God? Listen, I know in our parking lot we got cigarette butts. I know we got some messed up. It's okay. That's the kind of people Jesus died for. Come on, somebody. That's what the church is here for. Listen, we, yes, we can kumbaya all day, and I love church, and I love to worship, and I love those things. But listen, what I love more than anything else is when somebody that was a sinner comes back to the Lord. Because that's the mission of Jesus. That's the mission of the church. I have two people I talked in the last couple of weeks about that went hunting recently. They're hunters. One of them, Yuri, he's not here today, and the other one was a neighbor of mine. And I asked them, hey, how did the hunt go? How did things go? They said, oh, hunt was like, it didn't, it nothing good out there this year. For some reason, there's lots of wolves out there. You see, the wolves, when the wolves come by, the animals run away. Because <laughs> they know those wolves play nasty. They play dirty, you know. They don't care. They're going to attack anything. And so the hunt was bad. It was, it was, they were distracted from their mission because of the wolves. They were distracted from their mission because of the wolves. And what I found is this. Is that when we see wolves, sometimes, personally, me, I'll talk about myself, I get tempted to respond to wolves. You know, I see a wolf type something in my feed. I see a wolf, I post a picture and they type something up. I post a sermon, they type something up, right? And you just want to respond. You get your javelin out, your sword, you're like, yatibadam. You just want to respond with the word of God. You want to get them good, right? You just want to get back at him. And then something stops you here, still smart, don't do it. You know what happens? What I've noticed so much, when you start fighting a wolf, you're going to get cut somewhere. And you're going you're gonna to get cut somewhere and you're going to get hurt somewhere. And so you'd rather not touch that wolf. My dad has this saying that he would say, I don't know if I should say it off stage. Не трожь говно, то розбаняйся. Don't touch the pile for you're going to get stinky yourself. Listen, there are people that have, they're just set by the devil with piles. And if you take a jab at him, you're going to get stinky yourself. And people that fight the flesh with the flesh are always going to get hurt. Listen, we're spiritual people and we have a mission. We have a mission and that's to seek and save those who are lost. Listen, it's the heart of God. It should be in our lives and we need to look past. We need to be bigger than the wolves. We need to look past those things. And what I found is when I see people, they're trying to, they're trying to start a fight. They're trying to poke and jab. I just, I just trust God. I just trust God that he's going to protect me from them. You see, the good shepherd, he leaves the 99 to go find the lost. Why doesn't he care? He, he, there. he could stand there and say, well, I just got to protect these 99. I got to be right here. What if the wolves come? Listen, he's trusting God with the 99 going to find the one. You guys ever thought about that? So we need to trust God that God will protect our reputation. God will protect us from the wolves in Jesus' name. He will knock their teeth out. He'll let them, he'll let them loose. He'll push them out to another state somewhere else, right? He'll get them out of here. And we need to realize we need to become better lovers than they are haters. We need to start loving people to life more than they're hating us for it. 
We need to start loving people so much that it's irresistible, but people want to give their life to the Lord. People want to serve a God like that. That brings us to Luke 15, 4 people. Luke 15, 4 people. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds him? This is the person that Jesus introduced as the answer for the lost sheep. He was responding to the Pharisees and to the religious leaders and he was trying to show them the Luke 15, 4 person. He was trying to show them the heart of the Father. He was trying to show him his heart for these notorious sinners. You guys with me? For the tax collectors. He was showing them that not that I agree with everything that they're doing, but my heart is to seek and save those that are lost. The purpose of me coming was to seek and save the brokenhearted, those that are oppressed, those that are there. And Jesus was showing the 15, Luke 15, two people how to celebrate the mission. He literally says, what does this person do that finds the lost sheep? Well, he comes back, he invites his friends and he has a party. And he was trying to help the religious people out and say, you guys got to learn how to party. Hopefully that doesn't get cut out and used out of context. <laughs> you have to learn how to party. Why? There's a party in heaven. There is, there is movement in heaven every time a notorious sinner and a tax collector comes to the Lord. What I've noticed is this. Almost everybody, actually all of us in this room, we started off as a Luke 15 one person. We were sinners, we were tax collectors, we were notoriously known for this. And then came Jesus and he saved us. But sometimes for whatever reason, we swing to the other side of the spectrum and become so spiritual that we forget. We have amnesia of our past and we forget where Jesus pulled us out of. We forget that we were worse than the people that were judging. We were worse than those others that are coming in. We were worse than them and he saved us, he loved us. And what's interesting, what I found, is that a religious person, it's very hard for them to be joyful. I think that's why Jesus was trying to teach him a few things. Because a religious person, if somebody gets saved, they're like, oh, praise God. The person got saved. But there's always a but involved. But if you're really saved... You're going to dress like me. You're going to look like me. You're going to talk like me. You're going you're gonna to have to do this, 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 this. And they bring down the law, man. They bring it thick. I mean, they know how to apply it. And they, they say, well, this is what it looks like. Listen, we're not called to make replicas. We're called to make disciples. We're called to bring people to Jesus. Listen, Jesus does the transforming by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, amen. He does the transforming. We need to learn how to celebrate. When somebody with a tattoo that says Max Hell comes into our midst, we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. Why? Heaven is rejoicing and we're anticipating. And when they receive Jesus into their heart and they get transformed, we're rejoicing. We don't have to try to clean them up and wipe things off and tell them to wear a, a bandaid across their forehead because we're offended. That's okay. It didn't bother Jesus. Why does it bother us? 
Have you guys noticed this? Jesus was the most holy, righteous, spiritual person that ever walked the face of the earth. Yet he did not get offended by having sinners in his midst. What I've noticed is true spirituality is not how much I can push myself away from people that are messed up. But true spirituality is when my heart can get bigger and receive people that are messed up. Receive people that aren't like me. Receive people that don't smell like me, don't talk like me, and have room in my heart for them. Why? Jesus has room in his heart for me too. He had room in my heart. He knows my mistakes. He knows my hiccups. Luke 15, 7, in the same way, there is more heaven, more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed. This is a mission verse. How do I know when heaven has come into my heart? Well, it's when I can rejoice with joy, with genuine joy when somebody gives their life to Jesus. It's when I can look past everything on the exterior and truly rejoice when somebody gives their life to Jesus. You know, these are, this is one of the few moments that we find in Scripture that us here on earth can cause a ruckus in heaven. Can cause a disruption in heaven. Imagine this, you and I, as we bring people to Jesus, heaven parties. Heaven rejoices. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known as a church. I want to be known as a person that caused a lot of ruckus, disruption in heaven. Imagine the angels are getting ready with their little choir books. They're about to sing to the Father. They're about to sing holy, holy, and oh, another one got saved. Oh, yes, Lord, we're rejoicing. And they're about to sing again, and another one got saved. Come on, Christian Faith Center Slavic. I, 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 want, I, I want us to be a church that heaven knows. Maybe we weren't big. Maybe we didn't get lots of things done out there. I love missions, uh, uh, rallies, and food banks. I love, I love all those things and backpack hands out. But the thing I love more than everything else is when people give their life to Jesus. Is when people get transformed, lives are renewed, people are delivered. Listen, and I might look crazy, and you might see me jumping and clapping my hands, but there's a good reason behind it. Because I'm rejoicing because heaven's rejoicing. It's a beautiful thing when you can be free and liberated from those things and rejoice with heaven. As I conclude, I want to share one more example of someone by the name of Tanya. Sister Tanya, she attends Slava campus. She's not here today, so I'm going to talk about her. We all, a lot of people know her as Babushka Tanya, Grandma Tanya. And Grandma Tanya, she moved from Ukraine about four years ago to America. Mind you, from a traditional evangelical, right, Pentecostal church, she, she moved out of there, you know, very stoic, to here, to America. There's a lot of cultural differences there's a lot of differences, language barriers, there's differences in, in, in the way we worship and music and songs. And from day one, as she came here, she started attending Christian Faith Center, our Boise location. And we would try to translate on her ear and everything like that. And she was one of our first members for Slava Campus, actually. And Babushka Tanya, she said, this is my home church. And there's a lot of things I don't, that don't resonate with me. I don't know the music. I don't know what they're singing, these Americans. I don't know what they're saying. And they're coming in, in clothes that I'm not used to. You know, they're coming in the way that we're at home. They're just coming. She's like, but I love it. She's like, they're not hypocritical. 
who they are is who they are. What they wore at home, that's what they come to church in. And she was so intrigued. And she said, furthermore, I've seen more people give their life to the Lord here in my time in this church than I have in my whole time in Ukraine. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Listen, those are things to celebrate. You see, Babushka Tanya, Grandma Tanya is an individual that cut the mission. And she cut the vision. And she decided to look past, past all the things that inconvenience her. The loud music, the fog on stage, the lights. She looked past that and she saw the fruit. She saw the fruit of the ministry. She saw the purpose behind it all. And she caught the vision in her age, being, being in whatever, in an older age as she is, to be able to, to receive that, to be able to see the vision, I believe is a gift from God. Rejoicing when people give their lives to the Lord. I want to be a joy-making church. I want to be a joy-making person. You don't have to compromise the truth to love people. I've heard this before, cast as well. well. All you guys talk about is love, love this and love that. Oh, you're just a lovey-dovey church. You just love everybody. Love to the left and love to the right. And come on, but you got you to gotta preach the truth. Listen, truth without love is just going to hurt people. You absolutely need truth and you need love. They go hand in hand. What is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. The truth of that 2,000 years ago he died on the cross. The truth is that without his atonement, we have no life in God. The truth is that apart from God, I, 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 I can, apart from Christ, I cannot enter God's presence. That's the truth. That's the truth of the gospel. But listen, we need to love people to life. We need to be a church that loves the hell out of people. Literally, just love the hell. Love, like this Max Hell guy, Ryan. He was love to life. He had a lot of hellish things about him. But somebody chose to love him. Somebody chose to look past everything. You see, this is the mission of Jesus. And loving people to life is more than just hoping people meet Jesus. But it's also helping people meet Jesus. You can hope all day, but if you don't get off the couch and help somebody meet Jesus... All your hopes are for nothing. So what does this practically look like? Just the last thing and we're going to close up. Living out the mission of Jesus. What does this practically look like? Jesus, he went to them. He knew his call and he went to the sinners. He went to the publicans. He didn't mind engaging in everyday life with them. He didn't mind rubbing shoulders with them. He didn't mind seeing them at the supermarket, at the fishing place, hole. You know, he didn't mind those things. He interacted with them. He got in their boat. He, he, he invited them over for food. He went out to Chick-fil-A. I don't know if they had Chick-fil-A back then. He ate with them. He invited them. He brought people into the family with them. He prayed for them. There are all these things that he did. And he didn't mind them. The hundredth sheep. You see, fact of the matter is, that's what it's about, church. Do not let the wolves scare you away with their teeth. Scare you away with their hooing and hollering from afar. 
Do not let them scare you with their comments on Instagram and Facebook. Do not let them scare you. Listen, if it's in God's heart, if it's in heaven's will for sinners to be saved, we need to look at this thing and say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for people to know Christ. People might think I'm crazy and they might not understand me and they have their own opinions. But listen, God, I want people to come to the knowledge of Christ. That has to get into our heart. We have to be infected by it. We have to carry it. We have to cry about it. We have to see it. It has to become everything that we do. It has to become our lifestyle. We are called to be like Luke 15, 6 people. We're called to celebrate the wins. And instead of going wolf hunting, go sheep finding. Stop wasting your energy on trying to cut the head of the wolf away. The wolves, you know, you cut their head away, there's two more that pop up. You jab one, they, they, they know where their friend. They go around in packs, little wolf packs, little demonic wolf packs. And they might look spiritual from afar, but they're wolves. Jesus called them false prophets. People that don't carry the heart of God. And so what it really is about is the heart of God. It's about the love of God. What? Let me ask you this question as we close up. What attracted notorious sinners and tax collectors to listen to Jesus and sit with him? It was his love. His goodness that flowed through. They wanted to be around them. No one ever loved them that way. Everyone hated them. Listen, I've been in downtown before, and I'm walking, and we're obviously believers, and we're walking downtown and, and whatnot, and there's people with signs, hell, fire is coming, repent, and they're preaching, and they're standing outside the club over there on, on 8th Street or 9th Street, whatever it is, and they're just standing with their signs, and they're telling all these people that are going up to the club that they're going to hell, and I've often thought about that. I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, I had one of them even, I remember I was with a friend, just a side note, side story. He was wearing shorts. It was hot outside. And I don't know where this crew came out of, but man, they started re uh, rebuking him for his shorts. They were telling him, they, I, they came from the mountains somewhere. I don't know who they were. They were like, you got to go to hell. Why are you wearing shorts? If you're a believer, you got to, whoa. And they took off on him. And he was like, oh, Lord, he got out of there. Listen, how is that showing the love of God? Tell me about that. How is that showing the love of God? When sinners wanted to be around Jesus, yet he was the most holy and righteous person that ever walked the earth. He was full of grace and full of truth. And when we say that I just, I don't, those people don't like me because I'm spiritual and they're not. <laughs> There's, you got a lot of more issues than just being spiritual. Because a spiritual heart would receive them and would love people to life. We're a church that loves people to life. We're a church that wants to see everyone get saved. We live in a community. We rub shoulders with people at work, wherever it is, that need the gospel. And let's try to love on them. Listen, I know we can think of 20 verses to tell them about something that they're doing wrong. But instead of telling them those things, what if we just love on them? And maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit that lives within us is going to peek out through our eyes and is going to look at them and they're going to sense the love of God and they're going to say, I want what you have. Take me to your church. Pray for me. I need you. I want us to stand to our feet. <laughs> As we finish up, 
I don't know where you find yourself. Which category? Are you a Luke 15, 1 person? Luke 15, 2? Luke 15, 4? But I know this, that God loves us so much. Jesus, imagine, stepped down from heaven, came down, embodied a man, put on, put on flesh, being 100% God, to love people to life, to make a way for us to have way into his presence, for the people that are unsafe to have way into his presence. If it was such a big deal for Jesus, I think it should be such a big deal for us. And I love the heart of our church. I genuinely love the heart of our church. We love people to life. That's what we're about. We preach that. We teach that. We practice that. And I love that. But there is always room to grow in that love as well. And I don't know, maybe you find yourself in Luke 15, 1, where you're like, I feel like I'm a tax collector. I'm just like so messed up. I don't know. The devil's been whispering things that I can't come back. Maybe you've backslidden. And, and you're sensing Holy Spirit is doing something in your heart. Well, I think he's calling you back in. He wants you to be back in the fold. You hear the bat, bat, bat from far away, but he's saying, come closer. Come in here. I want you to put you under my covering. I want to lead you. I want to be your shepherd. And it's really simple. Uh, the Bible says what you need to do is confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart. And as you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you can be born again. You can receive them. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, forgive me of those things. And as you do that, you can come into good graces with him, into alignment with heaven's will for your life. Maybe you find yourself in Luke 15 too, and you're like, I can't rejoice for whatever reason with people that don't look like me. I can't rejoice when I see a sinner get saved, but he smelled like cigarettes. Right? I can't rejoice when I hear them cussing or something else. Listen, God, I need you in my life. Help me see people how you see people. And it's very simple. As we confess that, the Lord will give us grace to move into that, road, into that place. And I think he's calling us today to be Luke 15, 6 people, which is celebrating the wins. Instead of trying to go wolf hunting, go sheep finding. And be happy when someone rejoices. Celebrate it in your heart. Don't mind your image. Don't mind your titles. Don't mind your accolades. Listen, people, there will always be people that don't agree with you. That happens. It's always like that. The only person that people don't talk about is the person that doesn't do anything. And yet you'll probably still find somebody that will ridicule you for being lazy. Let's focus on the mission that Christ has for us.